0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club. The show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs, choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing the Poughkeepsie tapes from 2007, directed by John Eric Dowdle, written by Drew Dowdle and John Eric Dowdle, starring Ben Mesmer and Stacey Shabatsky. And in this film, a serial killer abuses, tortures, and kills a lot of people while evading the police. If you're new to the show, we are going to have a spoiler-free discussion on the film for the first 15 or 20 minutes, but after that, we're going to play some transition music, and then that means we're headed into spoiler territory, we're going to walk through the plot and review the film. Um, This was requested by two listeners, so shout out to Noah and to Jane Doe, if that is your real name. (laughs) Thanks for requesting. Do we need a content warning on this one? It's, Uh, It's pretty dark, yeah. Probably. (laughs) It's a pretty dark movie. It's not graphic, but it's depressing. It can be (laughs) triggering. I mean, it's about a a serial killer and the things he does specifically to women. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. I didn't really, I had no idea what I was getting into when I chose this movie. Oh, me neither, man. This took me by surprise. But yeah, I would say on the level of disturbing,
1: this probably is like up there with the the costumes we've done.
0: Right. Right. You don't really see much, but it is a disturbing movie. I just picked it because, well, I actually, I, to put some of the blame on you, I gave you the option between this and funny games. And <laughs> you chose this. Oh, man. That's like two very disturbing films. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I just, I feel like I've seen this on found footage lists. So I just was like, okay, yeah, found footage movie. It's available to stream. People can watch it easily. But, uh... Yeah, this was a little something different. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a name that I've heard mentioned. I, I don't know. I think it was probably brought up in our top five found footage film episode, wasn't it? I can't remember if we brought it up. Nobody named it as one of their favorites, but we may have dropped the name. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I was familiar with the name. Do you consider? I, I
1: feel like this is a subgenre within found footage, right? Or do you think it's like a genre of its own? This whole like kind of um, like more like newsy unsolved mysteries type of
0: movie. Yeah, this is kind of a a genre of its own, and I think we've been calling things like this mockumentaries, but I think we're wrong. I think a mockumentary is meant to be more satire, and the correct term for this would be a pseudo-documentary. Oh, okay. It's presented as a documentary, but it's not real. Sure. But I also feel like you can call this found footage because a decent amount of the story and of what we see are the tapes that they find. So that's kind of baked into the documentary. I Um, guess, but
1: like, you know, sinister, like you wouldn't consider that a found footage film, right? Even though uh, you do have a lot of like tapes you're watching throughout the film. Um, so, So like, is it like based on like the amount of time it takes in the movie or the percentage of the movie it makes up? I think that's a
0: really good question. I feel like it's essentially like the way a movie is photographed. Like, The majority of Sinister is presented as any other film is, right? It's like a detached third-person view Mm -hmm. with standard uh, cameras that are used in all of traditional filmmaking. So that's how the main narrative is told. And yeah, he happens to find some tapes. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was just thinking about this because one of our younger fans asked if... I'd consider the ring or if we consider the ring found footage, that's literally, and I wouldn't like, for the same yeah. <laughs> reason. I don't know. That's like literally the plot. It's a, found footage. You know? right. <laughs> right. You're footage. finding footage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. But yeah, I think with, I mean, found footage is photographed. It, it, the whole premise is that it's footage that was recovered from a, an incident, you know, it, it may not always state that clearly, but you could kind of make that assumption um and i think a pseudo documentary is similar in that it's footage somebody pr- like deliberately created for you it's not like this all seeing third eye it's like somebody made this movie mm-hmm. Yeah, stitched it's together a, it's pieces. like one layer of detachment yeah yeah but i i, I like it cuz it also gives
1: uh the movie a little more flexibility or freedom in like taking creative liberties in terms of like how it's edited or adding music on top or like that voiceover. Uh, Cause I feel like with a lot of found footage, uh, you're kind of beholden to like very minimal production value. Uh, Whereas these ones, yeah, you can kind of expand the scope of it.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, traditional found footage, one of your characters is filming (laughs) or they've set up a camera somewhere, paranormal activity style. And then you could. To relax and have a static camera we've talked about that element of those movies and how it can work to an advantage you don't have the motion sickness element but yeah this allows you to get away with using actual cameras and yeah making it a little easier on the eyes a little less frenetic
1: right yeah i, I like that about it um nice like change of pace and similar to
0: like mungo uh w- what's the other one Savage Land, Oh, yeah. Savage Land, yeah. and other? Butterfly Kisses is Butterfly Kisses is very similar in that it's almost half pseudo-documentary, half found footage. Okay. So do,
1: do you think like pseudo-documentary is a branch of under-found footage?
0: That's a really good question, man. I feel like they're cousins. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And they and they sometimes overlap. It seems like there's a Venn diagram there. Yeah, I'm done with that that makes sense. Uh but yeah, I I, I like
1: to, I don't think we talked about pseudo uh, documentaries enough. Uh be curious like what the other big ones are that are out there cuz definitely has like uh its uniqueness compared to typical found footage.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and I wonder would the like parent category of these just be like non-traditional <laughs> presentations? Like I don't I, yeah. yeah, I'd be interested to read more about this. I, tr- I wanted to read more of it. Right. As usual. If I really if I had all the time in the world, I'd spend tens of hours on each episode, but I can't <laughs> do it. I hear you. <laughs> uh, you know, surprisingly,
1: there isn't, like, too much out there on this film. I, I don't know. Were you able to find anything? There's
0: not. And one thing I want to maybe purport, perhaps the reason we see it in some found footage lists, or, like, in our minds, it is in the found footage list, is because we started doing this in the mid... Shit, man. It was 2014 when you and I started staying in touch via phone discussions about horror movies. Yeah. And this was made in 2007. Mm -hmm. It had a troubled release history. So let's back up. Uh, It was filmed in 2007 and premiered uh, at a festival then. MGM had it on their release schedule to release theatrically in 2008. Then they removed it without really any explanation. At first they said it would be 2009, and then it was just gone. And they even had advertised for it and included trailers for it ahead of other theatrically released horror films. But then it wasn't released. It was released in 2014 as video-on-demand rental through TV for a month and then pulled. And then it wasn't actually released, like on DVD, Blu-ray, and presumably other VOD until 2017. That's crazy. Like a 10-year so period of like... 10-year gap. Yeah, it's wild. So I'm wondering if maybe the fact that this is in our minds is just... It popped up on the radar of found footage when you and I were kind of... Yeah. In the mix on found footage. A lot of the movies we watched before we started the podcast were found footage yeah.
1: movies. Right, yeah. That was kind of the heyday for it.
0: So um, I'm not sure what the general awareness is on this movie. If if people have heard of it or...
1: yeah. It's got to be low awareness. Like, yeah, just because of that release schedule. Um, What what a mess. Do you think it was pulled in 2007 from a theatrical release because it was too disturbing? It's hard for me to imagine a film like this
0: having like a wide release. What, What do you think? Same here, man. I couldn't help but wonder that. I know other disturbing films have had wide releases, but this is just such a niche, like low budget disturbing film that it does seem weird to release it theatrically. I mean, even those
1: other pseudo documentaries you mentioned, uh, like Mungo, Waste, Sir, Savage Land, um, Butterfly Clisses, like none of those have had a theatrical release, right? Gotta assume they all.
0: No, not that. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, so I, I get the impression this genre isn't like really uh, viewed as like being something that would be released in theaters. But I don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't think so either. It's a, it's a bit niche and it's kind of like a small type movie. Yeah. Right. They can usually be done on a pretty low budget with like f- friends almost, you Right, know? right. Get a few talking heads on camera, throw together some like cheap found footage or a dramatization <laughs> element.
1: Oh man, uh, our friend Joseph, who has been on this podcast, uh, he shot a movie like this. Do, do you remember that? I think, I thought we watched it like a few years ago. And he, I remember like he shot it back in like 20 12 or 13 in Chicago and I I played like one of the people uh that he was like interviewing is about like this fake band or no it was about a real band that he had as a kid or something but do do you remember like watching any of this this is vaguely familiar but I think I bumped it out of my brain yeah I I totally forgot about it until I was watching this movie but uh it it was like yeah supposed to be kind of like a a a mockumentary of like this band uh so yeah I I think it's a really cool and creative
0: genre it's too bad we don't see too many more movies like this Yeah, it's a pretty, it seems like a good, like, entry into filmmaking, like a very DIY, let's do it this way. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, What do you think the overlap with, like, this genre is to, I I think, what's been going on uh, the last few years around, like, this obsession with serial killers and, like, these shows like Dahmer and stuff, which kind of uh, are, yeah, almost glorifying serial killers, but, yeah, bringing to light kind of what they're doing. Do you think there's some overlap there?
0: Yeah, I do. And I feel like people who are super into true crime should watch this movie and then they might be like, Okay, never mind. I'm not interested <laughs> anymore. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. yeah. I yeah. think that's really strange. Like it's it's the same like question that pops into my head of like, why have I been watching so many horror movies <laughs> yeah, for years and immersing myself in things like this? Yeah. When I feel like I'm overall pretty normal person <laughs> it, i think it's even more normal to be into true crime which is in a lot of ways darker and weirder to me like i know horror movie fans are sometimes seen as the weirdos but everything we're ingesting for the most part is utter fiction
1: right yeah exactly
0: so yeah
1: i, I think uh i agree man like that's what i tell myself at least is like at least it's fiction compared to like people out there watching the the real stuff but then I don't know. Like, uh, I, yeah, I can't. Sometimes I wonder which one is worse. Like, is it better that you watch something that's actually based on historic events to educate yourself, or you dive into someone's fantasy about uh, killing a bunch of people?
0: Yeah, man, it's a weird little debate, a weird topic to discuss. It is. It is. Um, anyway, the Dowdles, the brothers Dowdle, as they build themselves for this movie, <laughs> it makes me barf in my mouth a little. Bit. <laughs> like if you moved to a new school and like tried to pretend, give yourself a cool nickname yeah. <laughs> when really someone else needs to give you. <laughs> for the Dowdle Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Brothers Dowdle. Yeah. I feel like it's supposed to be evocative of the Brothers Grimm.
1: Oh, gotcha. They actually go by yeah, that? Like the Brothers t- Dowdle?
0: That's how they build themselves for this oh, movie. Man. And I think maybe others. Yeah. It'd be like if you moved to a new school and was like, yeah, I'm Ashvin, but my friends used to call me the Oshvinator, so <laughs> yeah, you can call me that if you want. You can call me that, <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. Um, we have reviewed two of their movies, 2008's Quarantine, which was a remake of the Spanish film Wreck, uh, and As Above, So Below from 2014, both found footage movies. They also did directed Devil, which was based on a story written by M. Night Shyamalan. Haven't you seen that one?
1: I have, yeah. I I think out of those three, maybe that's my favorite, and that's not, like, really found footage. I feel like we were pretty sour on Quarantine, uh, it being like a direct rip and and lesser quality than the original, and I don't know, did you like As Above, So Below?
0: I think you were a little higher on As Above, So Below than I was. Got it. Uh, I was so-so on that. But, yeah, you, uh, you're a Donald Devote. I know, right? I couldn't believe I'd seen so many of this guy's movies.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's crazy. So I guess three of them are like found footage or pseudo documentary. then one double. Um, So yeah, I I guess I kind of mixed feelings about him so far. But um, based on the two you've seen, how how are you feeling coming into this?
0: Well, once I saw that name in the intro credits, I, I did not research this movie much. I just picked it from our request list. And I saw the Dowdle name, and I was like, oh, no, I can't remember exactly what they've done, but I know I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my expectations dropped a little bit when I saw that name. Wow. Good um, memory. And John Eric Dowdle is married to Stacey Shabatsky, who plays Cheryl. Oh, cool. In the movie. Um, and fun fact about her, she wrote a children's book when she was 14 called Who Owns the Sun?, That it sounds like the book did pretty well, and she, like, got awards for it, and it's interesting. It sounds like it introduces kids to the concept of slavery as, like, part of our, as part of our, like, troubled past as a nation. Damn. And she's like, oh, okay, holy shit, at 14. That's not what I expected on that title. It starts out like, who owns the sun? Nobody, because, yeah. Yeah. I saw really good reviews for it. I'm tempted to check it out.
1: That's really cool. Wow. Good for her. Award winning yeah. artist. Right.
0: Her author. Yeah. Uh, and then to see where she ends up. And <laughs> uh, the so, Rotten to. Oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, does she
1: have, I
0: didn't look, but does she have a lot of other film credits? No, I don't think she has any other, if I remember correctly. Or if they are, they're. They're her husband's films. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of the cast here is, like, uh, well-known or have done, like, a huge
0: body of work outside of this, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, it's low budget through and through here. Yeah. Um, 67% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 50% user score. The budget we couldn't find, but i got to assume it's pretty darn low and there's no box office because it was never released. The music's done by Kephas Sianca. Or Siancha? thats hard to pronounce. Uh, He's done a few other films, including as above, so below, and he was nominated for an Emmy for the theme song to an old TNT show called Saving Grace. Oh, cool! Good for him. And there's not much else background out there that I could find on this movie. How about you?
1: No, same. I think I saw it might have been shot in like two weeks or something. So pretty quick production. Um, But yeah, not not much else outside of that.
0: All right, well, let me hit the Ohio connection. Our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. He owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so if you're in Northeast Ohio, you got to hit up Jukebox. Great bar. Great food, too. And Alex says, The Poughkeepsie Tapes is a pseudo-documentary horror film about the murders of a serial killer in Poughkeepsie, New York, told through interviews and footage from a cache of the killer's snuff films. Among the storylines, there is a depiction of someone being executed by lethal injection. Lethal injection is the practice of injecting one or more drugs into a person for the express purpose of causing rapid death. Though the U.S. methods for lethal injection have evolved over time and remain inconsistent from state to state, 11 states have switched to a one-drug lethal injection protocol. A one-drug method is using the single-drug sodium thiopental to execute someone. On December 8, 2009, the first state to switch to this method was Ohio. Hmm, crazy. He apologized for the grim connection, but said he felt like it fit the movie. <laughs>
1: it does, yeah. That's very uh, on point. Um, damn, if that that's considered a capital punishment, right? Yeah, right. Okay.
0: Uh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you feel like it was gentler
1: somehow? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> cut it down to one injection. It's lowercase like, punishment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lowercase. I sends uh, you to death with a lowercase D.
1: Exactly. <laughs> uh, damn. How many? Uh, how many states still have capital punishment?
0: I can't remember. I mean, he said eleven. Right? What did he say here? He's saying 11 switched to the single dose, right? Oh, okay. So it's at least 11. I don't know how many. I would, I'm going to guess half. Half state law Right. All right. So I, I guess yeah. Ohio is one of those. You know what's weird? We've chosen two movies in a row that have the name of a small city in New York State in their title. Yeah. Yeah. Amityville yeah. Horror and the Poughkeepsie Tapes.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of a crazy coincidence back-to-back.
0: Yeah, that's weird.
1: Yeah. Well, I hear fall in right, New York is good.
0: What'd you say? I hear fall time in
1: New York is pretty nice actually.
0: Oh yeah, right. Great great for leafing. Yeah, good foliage. We should go there sometime. We should. We should. All right. All right man. Well, for now do you want to uh get into things and start spoiling this movie and walk through the plot and review it? Let's do it. All right, cool. Uh actually, do you mind holding on for one second? My Podcast stand where I put my computer and my microphone and everything, it keeps wobbling for some reason. It's getting hard to concentrate. You mind if I take a second to fix that?
1: Oh, no, sure. Yeah, take your time.
0: All right, cool. Be right back. Okay, man, I'm back. I think I got it sorted out. Hey, cool. How'd, how'd you fix it? Well, you know, I actually just started using an actual table instead of a person. They're always oh. like breathing <laughs> or shaking or crying or asking for their mom or something. So oh man, it just yeah. gets distracting to like rest people, all your stuff on them.
1: People make the worst tables. You think it'd be so easy, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, <laughs> just hold still. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I fed She's you last week.
0: Yeah, this isn't rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this film is presented as a documentary about a serial killer that the police are hunting down. They've discovered a house that he once resided in, as well as thousands of hours of VHS tapes that contain images of the killer capturing, abusing, killing, and mutilating his victims. There's a line here from the guy who watched all the tapes who says... My wife watched a half hour of a tape and it took her a year before she let me touch her again. That's what's on those tapes. Yeah. And that line <laughs> just was so gross to me. <laughs> like oh, yeah. so dumb at the same time. I yeah.
1: hated that. It was, it was corny. Uh, really like two thousands. And, uh, I thought that guy in general was just a very bad actor out of like all the ones who were like, uh, reading on the screen
0: spoiler alert the acting is bad throughout but this guy takes the cake yeah (laughs) it's funny you called out
1: that line (laughs) (laughs) you found that one pretty offensive i it's
0: just like gross like let me will you let me touch you today (laughs) (laughs) it's been a year now you (laughs) can't no no also why did you watch a half hour yeah i know i know um So it's difficult to say whether or not there's really a plot here. As We're taking on a chronological journey of the killer's crimes through the facade of this true crime documentary. But I'll do my best to walk through it. Um, Ashwin, I think one of the opening scenes was perhaps my favorite and the most compelling in the movie. We see a car pull a body out of its grave using a rope tied to a trailer hitch and we're given no context as to what's going on right you just see a body get like torn out of the ground with this rope yeah that that was a
1: really cool shot Uh, you didn't really know what to expect there and you just hear this engine going and suddenly it pops out that that
0: was really cool yeah right i like that i feel like it's one of the few moments in the movie where things are really mysterious or intriguing everything else is fairly spelled out for the rest of the movie Hmm. okay I don't know. Maybe we'll disagree on that a little bit. But we eventually see the killer who calls himself Ed on these videos that he's taken of himself. We never see his face on the videos. He's careful about that.
1: He calls himself Ed? I, I saw that in Wikipedia that his name's like Ed Carver or something. I don't remember
0: his name ever being mentioned. He does mention himself as Ed. I don't know that he says Ed Carver, but yeah. Who,
1: how, like what's the, what scene does he say Ed? Like he's just talking to himself and he's like, hi Ed. I think in the hitchhiking scene, he's, oh, like, meeting oh. the
0: couple, and he's like, yeah, okay, I'm it.
1: Oh, yeah, right, from the backseat, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess I just assumed that was, like, a fake name or whatever, but...
0: Yeah, it's the best we've got to go on, so I think for simplicity, okay. that's what they call him in the plot run-through. Got it. And I think that's what how he's credited, right, Ed Carver? Right. Um, so we see him kidnap a little girl in her front yard, and this is, I mean... I think part of the reason this is disturbing is because everything in this movie could really happen. Everything in this movie does really happen, sadly, across America from time to time. And so he walks up to this little girl, he asks her some like mundane questions. He asks her if she wants to look through the camera. And she's kind of like, no. And he's like, here, take a look. And then we hear her. We don't see anything, but we hear him like strike her presumably knocking her unconscious and then we see him put her in the backseat of his car and drive away did you find this pretty disturbing super disturbing man like this
1: this is when like this movie hit me in the face that this is going to be a fucked up night like uh yeah I, i don't feel like we've seen something like this before i mean the closest i can think of is like henry a portrait of a serial killer where you saw this kind of violence happening towards like families. But, uh, yeah, the way it's shown for this little girl and, you know, it's kind of clever that like, you don't see him actually hitting the girl, but you just see the motion of the camera going in and then her body afterwards. Uh, so yeah, it's very disturbing what's happening, but it's, I, I thought, I kind of thought the camera way of capturing it was really well done. What, what did you think?
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't even know if you really even see your body afterwards that you see him put something in the back seat, but like for right. all we know, it could have just been a hamburger. A, yeah. A hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like you look through say, the right? camera and he steals her hamburger and runs to the yeah, car exactly gotcha <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm gonna i'm gonna tape myself stealing somebody's hamburger <laughs> you should that should be a series of tapes <laughs> that i'm gonna leave for someone to find <laughs> there's the snl digital short that's just andy samberg punching people before they take a bite of food <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's like It's really dumb, but it's kind of amusing. Yeah, I had to watch that. Um anyway, to bring it back down to reality, we learn that he sexually assaulted and murdered this little girl. His next victims are a couple that he captures under a ruse that his car broke down. He cuts off the man's head and sews it into the woman's belly while she's still alive. We do see an image of this. But I didn't realize what I was looking at until it was explained to me afterwards. Did you understand what that was in her belly when they showed that? Um, No, I don't recall seeing it.
1: I just remember it being described.
0: Right, we, yeah. You saw this visually? You can see it visually, but it's really quick. It's very subtle. And I think it's kind of an effort to hide some what I assume was amateur makeup. I, I can't say it looked bad, but... It seems like a hard thing to do, and this is a low-budget movie, so they kind of just showed enough to allude to what was what it was. Is this in the uh, autopsy room, or wh- where do you see it happening? You see it on a tape where he's filming the woman in his, like, dungeon or whatever, and he's like, hey, wake up, wake up, you're going to love this. And she's like, what, what? And there's a head in her belly. Oh, holy shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that. Oh, my God so much yeah. go ahead well I, I I think between these two kills like uh I, I kind of appreciated how these things are being described and being combined with some like pretty uh suggestive film uh in, in picture uh, like like it's not like spelling it out for you or, or like you know it's not like showing you everything but it, it's telling you stuff that's happening yeah uh, so I, I thought the, the usage of uh, picture to what was being told
0: was really good what, what did you think of all that I don't know that I find that that compelling of just describing what happened and then seeing a little bit of footage of what happened. It's just kind of, it didn't create much suspense or interest in me. It was just like, okay, I just saw this and now someone explained what I saw or someone explained what happened and now I'm going to see what happened. It's just very like basic, you know, there, there wasn't much sure. mystery to it for me. Okay. Or suspense even.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I thought the, the kill from the back seat of the car was kind of suspenseful because, uh, you know, he's going to attack them and they're like being all friendly and like uh, no idea what's coming for them. Uh, so Yeah. Did you feel like that drive was suspenseful at all?
0: I think I didn't find it to be that suspenseful, but I also think it's probably the most suspenseful scene in the movie. Oh, okay. Even though I didn't really think so. <laughs> <laughs> I I just learned this term. I probably should have known this term a long time ago, called dramatic irony, which is when you know what is you know something before the characters in a movie know something. So, it's all over horror. Like if you see the killer in the background but they don't see him yet, that's dramatic irony because you know something that they don't. And it it's used to create suspense and that's what this is we know he's a serial killer who just got in their car they don't know that yet so the suspense is created of like what's going to happen they're going to find out the truth eventually how are they going to find out um hmm. yeah, that's an interesting irony. term
1: because isn't any screen movie you watch where you know like like the, there's a girl alone at home and like she gets a call on the phone and, like you know she's gonna get killed is that dramatic ar-
0: irony then Right. I do think it's interesting because there's like kind of two layers to it because there's kind of just the very basic layer of, okay, I'm watching a movie and take only the movie that's being presented to me in context. Like don't think about what's going on in my own head or what my expectations are or anything. Keep it to a narrow scope and you think, okay, there's the killer. I can see them, but she can't see them. So now I know something she doesn't. But if you, like, step back a layer and think, okay, I'm a person at home. I know I just clicked on a horror movie. Yeah. I know something bad's about to happen because I'm watching a horror movie. Okay. So is that dramatic irony? Like, right. I don't think technically it is, but in a way, okay, it kind of is, right? Like. I think so, yeah. You're watching a <laughs> horror movie and someone answers the phone. You know that's not going to be a normal call. <laughs> like Exactly. <laughs> they would have no reason to think it's not going to be a normal call, but since you're at home watching sure. a horror movie, you do.
1: I, I don't think yeah, that counts
0: yeah. as dramatic irony, but it's really interesting because I almost feel like that's kind of where we're at with it. it it's right. almost like a postmodern take on dramatic irony. now. You have to factor in the viewer's expectations to everything. It's interesting exactly. to think
1: about. Yeah. But so in, in your example, it's more explicit where like, you know, there's a kill in the room and the person, the
0: other person on the screen doesn't. Right. You right. Know, you know something the person on the we screen not We know because of what the narrative has told us that every tape we see is a tape of the serial killer mm. killing or capturing somebody. So yep. we have the information we need within the film, right. you know? Right. Um, much ado is made here throughout the entire film by the law enforcement, uh, people who are being interviewed, the talking heads, that the killer is like learning, he's getting better, he's like changing his M.O. to keep the cops off track, and they tend to just like marvel at his genius a lot. Mm. What did you think of that element of the film?
1: I hate that aspect man and I, I think that's one of the biggest critiques these days When it comes to uh, Like the Dahmer show and stuff Like are we just Glorifying these serial killers And this is like a prime example Of people like talking about Like how smart the serial killer is And stuff And uh, I really think there was one guy Who was doing that Mostly in this The other uh, FBI agents Or uh, people talking Most like were just like Really disturbed by it Or was talking about how messed up it was But there was one dude Who I think was going way overboard On,
0: on that perspective And uh, what do, what do you think? You think it was more across the board? Um, you're right. It might have been focused mostly on one talking head, but I just thought a lot of time was spent on it, and it was like, I don't care. Like these aren't <laughs> real murders, so it's not really yeah. impressive. And yeah. also, what they were describing is just like, s- does it take that much intelligence to just like do something different every time to throw the cops off track? Uh, I don't know, man. I I thought that part was kind of cool
1: because, you know, uh, all we're seeing of the killer is, like, when he's, like, abducting these people and torturing them. So you kind of have their voice uh, talking about, like, the context of this killer across other killers and, like, how what he's doing is different and, like, theories on, like, why that might be the case. And it's kind of like helping you draw uh, a bigger personality out than just these kills for that killer. Um, Or understand, like, how they're different than, like, other people out there. So for for me, like, I I think that kind of added a cool differentiating factor to know, like, what was so interesting and, like, so scary about this person versus your common soul killer.
0: I feel like that some of it was so obvious, though. They're like, he suffocated somebody with one hand and filmed it with the other. Like, he must have practiced (laughs) that. Or, like, the gas station that he took them to was deserted he must have known that <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, obviously like does it take that yeah. much intelligence to <laughs> research where you're gonna take this couple once they hide like yeah
1: I, I agree. The gas station part, I think the gas station was more to show, like, yeah, he must be someone local, and, like, that's, like, the police trying to work through it. Though, I, I thought the point about him having practiced this uh, was kind of a cool reveal of the code. that, like, can you imagine, how how do you practice that? Like, does is he sitting there with, like, a mannequin or, like, with someone else, and he's, like, just doing, like, this two-hand uh, kind of practice move? Like, isn't that kind of a, a bizarre visual to,
0: to picture? It's kind of embarrassing for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's like very human. It's, he's it's, like, getting like <laughs> setting everything up, making sure he's yeah. got water to stay hydrated, and he's <laughs> exactly setting yeah. a little timer on his watch. Like, yeah, go do it, Ed. You can do it, <laughs> yeah. Ed. Yeah,
1: right hand here, left hand there. Catch it? No,
0: blew it. Try <laughs> again. Fucked
1: up again, Ed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 very like a. It's I, I don't know, I like. Are those things you think of like when you think of like serial killers killing people like, oh, this person wants to practice something like isn't that kind of like making them like a little bit more human and and more fucked
0: up? To me, it demystifies it a bit. But again, like I feel like you're falling into your own trap where you're saying that shows like these days in true crime are in awe and glorifying like oh yeah, how cool they researched this and like they practiced and they were good at what they did like Mm -hmm. I guess I just don't care Oh, yeah. (laughs)
1: But I guess like, so I I would compare him. um, So if we saw like uh, Michael Myers, right, in in a a film uh, do this, like he he would not be practicing it because he's just like a a badass killer and he probably just like innately knows how to do this. Right. Um,
0: Just like driving a car.
1: Yeah, exactly. He knows how to drive a car.
0: Yeah, right. He escaped from Smith's Grove with uh, he drove out of there.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I just feel like this is pointing to, uh, it's making it more realistic and that like, okay, this isn't like a supernatural killer. Like we've seen in other films. This is actually like a person who is doing this. And because of that, they have to like practice these kind of things. Okay. And and that's the scary part. It's like, it's a human.
0: Right. Right. All right.
1: Practice is scary. Practice
0: is scary. <laughs> The killer uh, then abducts a teenage girl named Cheryl Dempsey and turns her into his slave. We see images of her being forced to say certain things while she's hogtied, gagged, etc. These images get pretty disturbing. They do. Uh... The
1: scene, I, I thought this was one of the best setups, is when he abducts Cheryl. Like, the way he's hiding in the closet, and he puts the camera down, so you have that stationary camera. And here's, like, your dramatic irony part, right? Where she and her boyfriend are in the room, and you know he's in the closet. Right. And then, like, uh, how he's, like, stalking them downstairs. Like, what, what, what do you think of that whole scene? Sure, maybe that's the most
0: suspenseful scene. Um, <clears throat> what I've read about creating suspense out of dramatic irony is that you also need to have sympathy for the characters for it to work Mm -hmm. and I think that's why the suspense didn't work for me in this movie is because I know nothing about these characters that he abducts even though we see a little bit of home video of Cheryl like at the top of this movie yeah I think it also would have helped if this movie gave you some like a roadmap or some scaffolding about where it was gonna go Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the documentary, the pseudo-documentary, just starts like, it just kind of hits the ground running. It's not like, this is a story of a serial killer and the woman he captured and where, you don't know if they find him, if they find the girl, like, you don't know what you're leading to. It's just like, yeah, starts on its little trajectory. And yeah, I don't know. You're right. I could see
1: another movie, like, almost starting at the end, like, all these bodies were found, and, like, this is coming to light, uh, and now we're finding these tapes. But this one kind of just starts, like, oh, uh, a woman, like, saying,
0: there are a bunch of tapes in my house, and uh,
1: diving into the analysis.
0: And it's not, like, an active investigation either, so they're talking about the past. So it's like, you know whatever happened, happened. It's just an interesting path. It's an interesting way to structure the narrative. But all that to say I think some of that prevented me from being very interested in the characters that he was abducting. Yeah. So I I think maybe that's partially why I was having feeling less suspense.
1: Yeah. I, I agree that the victims uh aren't like yeah, you don't get too much on them. Uh right. pretty pretty brief moments. Um oh, but also like I mean I, I feel like this is a movie more about the killer than the the victims similar to like Henry or portrait of su killer, right yeah so do you think he's the main character I think so and uh and, and, and what, I, what I love about the, uh, this attack too and the ones going forward is like we're starting to see like the mask that he's wearing and his style of killing and um yeah just kind of like p-
0: pick up on his viewers like yeah he I, I think he's the main character what do, what do you think he also makes Cheryl wear a mask oh um, yeah yeah and he there's a scene here where he has her like be a coffee table with a sheet over her while he has two Girl Scouts in his house that he's trying to abduct, which is <laughs> That was bizarre. Yeah. Where my podcast and thing came from. That was bizarre yeah. and it went nowhere. And one of the ways the Girl Scouts caught on to him was he's like, Oh, that's a raccoon that you're hearing in the basement and she's like, There's no raccoons around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where in the U S <laughs> are there have, not raccoons? I mean, unless they're in the desert, but this is New York state.
1: Good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I'm shitting. I'm, I'm shitting on things, but sorry, back to the original, what were we even discussing? You think it's a suspenseful scene with, with, Cheryl? I thought it was really
1: well done. You, you have yeah. a shower, you have him in the closet. You got him coming downstairs, attacking and, and mauling the boyfriend and, uh, grabbing, abducting Cheryl, uh, and you see, like, some of the shadow as he's, like, beating Cheryl. So there's, there's a brutality to the scene that I thought was really well done.
0: Yeah, that shadow uh, was like, oh, God, that, I don't know how they even faked that. That looked really real. I know. Um, I know. Yeah, it, it's just, like, a brutal, brutal movie in its spirit that he's just, like, locking this woman up, shouting at her, like, making her do things. There's a scene where he's, like, drowning her intermittently to get her to say something punching her yeah it's just disturbing oh
1: your question about who the main character was is it because like the movie kind of starts with the story about Cheryl and like we kind of know like it's building up to like her abduction
0: I think my question that's where we left off is you asked me if I agreed that the killer was the main character Mm -hmm. I just don't think there is one like Hmm. it's tough to call him the main character yeah he probably I, I just don't think there is one Really, like, is there a main character in an episode of Dateline? I don't Mm. think so. So that's maybe you could say it's a weakness of the pseudo-documentary as a format. But like, Mungo made the family seem like the main characters, right? I think
1: so. Yeah, you kind of saw what was happening to them, specifically. Yeah, right. Yeah, here because a lot of what you're seeing is him behind the camera and like his vision. Um, it makes it feels like you're kind of in his shoes which I, I which is what I like about this format is like you get to be in his shoes and then in this scene he's putting the camera down so you get to see like the perspective from Cheryl as she's like oblivious to what's going on there then you're also seeing this third party with the people doing these interviews and getting their perspective so yeah it's, it's kind of cool you're rotating but I, I hear what you're saying it kind of diminishes like yeah your solid foundation
0: in one character sure right Um, there's a scene where he tapes himself going up to Cheryl's mother and asking. It's like shortly after she's been abducted, he walks up and asks if there's any way he can help. And she, like, is like, oh, thanks. And then looks at him and she's like, wait, no, wait. <laughs> and he just laughs and walks away. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the dumbest thing you've ever seen like she just somehow knew that he was her abductor and then he just laughs and walks away and that's that was yeah. that silly kind of silly but I, I don't know you got like
1: mother's intuition and then like if if she actually was able to pick up on it i guess you would be in shock that like holy shit the killer is right here and you might be kind of scared uh but no yeah overall pretty silly uh, <laughs> yeah but <laughs> I, I let it pass on some kind of emotional thing but yeah i don't know you didn't you didn't buy into
0: it No, I I didn't buy into it, but it's one of those movies where I don't buy into a few things, so you know know where I'm headed. (laughs) So he's got Cheryl kidnapped. He's doing weird stuff. He's made her his slave. Then he pivots, and he starts targeting sex workers while posing as a police officer. Again, law enforcement makes a big deal here that he's changed his M.O., and he's a real big genius for killing these prostitutes so he wouldn't get caught. Um But based on the fact that a certain police officer was often spotted picking up prostitutes in the same area and Due to the fact that then this officer's semen was found on some of the dead bodies of these prostitutes the officer was arrested convicted and put to death so somebody takes the fall for this guy and receives lowercase or capital punishment (laughs) and then that guy He's a police officer, and his partner, days after the execution, finds a map in his mailbox with directions to where another body is buried, revealing that an innocent man was put to death because the serial killer is still out there. Uh, and it's indirectly proposed here that the killer may have gotten the officer's semen because he used to donate to fertility clinics. No. I missed that connection. <laughs> I just didn't know how that was yeah. more believable than just paying a prostitute to give him some of this dude's semen. Like, mm, yeah, hey, you know this guy you hang out with? Just like, yeah, bring a little grab cup some next of his semen and give him to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pay you a
1: hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> yeah that that whole storyline I, I think uh, for me it felt like a big like left turn and yeah. like then like kind of tying it to like 911 and like the rationale why like people didn't understand and like interviewing his son and stuff that uh, i was like where is this going like this uh, just feels like we're getting really off course here but
0: w- what did you feel like it was a total like tangent and like side road that <laughs> we didn't need to go down didn't yeah. really loop back <laughs> into the main plot it was just like hey here's a thing yeah. And yeah, yeah, it it was pretty cringe cuz they're interviewing this man's son and he's like, "Yeah, they wrote a story in the newspaper about how uh, my innocent father was put to death, but then 9/11 happened. Totally overshadowed <laughs> it. Everybody forgot." <laughs> it Thanks, son. Like, this is <laughs> yeah, like weirdly inappropriate but also like probably not accurate either. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't know where they were going with that. That was just really random. Uh, and what? This is 2007, so it's like six years after. Was 9/11 like still? Well, I mean, like, was it a thing you could w- weave into the plot to like? I like. I mean, this is such like a yeah, right. It's not topical anyway. anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's a strange thing to bring up here. But investigators used the map. The <laughs> quest. <laughs> he, he printed off map quest. <laughs> <laughs> thought that was great. Literally, we're not joking. Yeah. They say that in the plot. He printed it off MapQuest. The The map that he left in this deceased capital punishments guy's par, police officer's partner, he left it in the dude's mailbox, and they used that to determine it was downloaded from the internet, and they traced the IP address that downloaded it to a specific house. And when they get there, the house is deserted except for the tapes that we've seen so far and an alive but severely injured Cheryl. She's malnourished. She has numerous injuries that she won't let heal as we learn that she's self-harming to feel the pain that had become a regular part of her life. And in an interview with her, it's revealed that she clearly has Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, When she goes to scratch her head, we learn that she has lost one of her hands, which uh, that was a disturbing scene kind of a that was a, a nice subtle way yeah. to get across some of the things that had happened to her
1: even her whole appearance like i thought they did a great job in showing just kind of how messed up she was and her acting here in terms of like she kept being like what do you want me to say what do you want me to say like uh it was is i thought it was like pretty believable in in a movie where like the acting has been a pretty subpar but what what did you think
0: uh i'm iffy on that but i do think she was the best actor in the bunch sure oh uh, and we find out that she kills herself two weeks after being rescued her mother says she kept talking about wanting to go back home even though she was home and then her mother eventually realized she saw her home as the killer's basement like home was her life as his slave
1: how many how many years was i can't, I can't get a sense of the timeline here like how many
0: years the movie passed. doesn't do a great job with his timeline but I'm pretty sure the, between that guy getting arrested, the guy who took the fall for him and being put to death was like five years. Oh, okay. So she's been a slave for at least five years, I would guess. Yeah. damn. Um, and in her interview, she's like, he loved me. Nobody ever lets me say it, but it's true. Someday he's going to come back to me and he's going to take me away. And she's like smiling, thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Did you find this effective? Like, it's disturbing and, and sad. like. But did it work? It is. Uh, I, I thought it worked. I thought
1: her acting pulled it off. Uh, her physical appearance pulled it off. And, uh, yeah, if, if it had been that long, like, yeah, more than five years and you're in that uh, situation, then, yeah, it does a, a, a mental job on you. And when they're talking about, like, the effects on her body, kind of rejecting uh, the, the treatment she was getting and her mental state, uh, yeah, I think it all, like, kind of formed a picture of... a a, a believable picture What, what did you think
0: yeah yeah i think so i mean i think it's undercut by some bad acting and like again a story that kind of was you didn't know where it was headed and then you learn it's kind of going nowhere and it just yeah i on that like you don't know where it's headed isn't
1: that like the mystery of it like uh do you want to start this movie knowing like that this killer is out there who hasn't been caught yet Or like, do you like, you don't like going through this movie, not knowing like, how's this going to end? Are they are they going to catch the killer or not?
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I don't know why that's a criticism of, of the movie, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because
1: I think what you're also pointing out is like, there isn't like a cohesive or consistent storyline. Like now we're like been talking about Cheryl for like the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes, I'm sure like of the movie here. And like we've pulled away from the characters. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to like, we're not like following like
0: one character's arc. Yeah, I think maybe that's what I'm working towards. Like, was this a story about Cheryl or was it just a story about here's all the things this killer did? Because, like, then, yeah, that is the way an episode of Dateline would really work. But does it make sense to format a movie that way? Mm. Up for debate. It didn't really work that well for me. But, um,. Mm We learned that her body was exhumed after it was buried, and that's what we saw in the opening scene. Uh, And we learned that they never caught the killer, and he's presumably still at large in another state. So I think that's what I I mean. It's just like, once you hear that, I totally hear what you're saying. What what should it do? Tell us exactly what happened in the end? No. But I do think it should have been about somebody's journey like it should have mm-hmm. been about a certain character and what they were going through so yeah they I could like... have focused a lot on the guy who watched the tapes and <laughs> whose job it was to watch all the I mean that guy sucked <laughs> <Can you laughs> that guy to touch sucked. his wife for <laughs> so bad <laughs> yeah but they could have gotten a good actor and yeah and let him be the focus of it partially like What he's going through as he watches, what he's discovering and learning as he watches. And they also could have had Cheryl's mom be a good focus of like Hmm. what she went through after losing her daughter, what she's done to try to find it, what clues she's stumbled upon. And like it could have been a couple people's journey in how this killer affected their lives. But instead, it was just like, Here's what he did. Then here's what he did next. Then here's what he did next. (laughs) And then then guess what? (laughs) This is what he did. (laughs) Yeah, right. And and the victims just come in and out. They just, you don't know anything about them before they appear on screen. And you don't really learn anything about them that much afterwards. They're just Mm -hmm. in and out of the movie as a means to show us the nastiness of him threatening people or yelling at people or telling people, telling women he's going to rape them or he tells one, one woman, you and I are both are both, prefer, oh, both would both prefer you to be dead for what I'm about to do to you or something. I, I thought that, I thought that was a great line. It's <laughs> it is in a sense, but it's also just like oh man, this movie is <laughs> yeah grim.
1: It is yeah. There's not a lot of brightness here. Yeah, right. I I like your idea. I hadn't I hadn't considered it, but I, I think you're right. Like yeah, you, uh, if you did pivot on two or three characters and followed them throughout the journey of like tracking the serial killer, it would it would have made for like better storytelling. Um, I guess I yeah I just got sucked into some of the visuals that were being uh, portrayed here on on the, on his tapes, that like uh, yeah it, it felt like this was more about exposing him and what he was doing to random people than like telling the story of any of the other characters. Sure.
0: Yeah, and I think that also it could have been cool if it was like an active investigation and we were like finding, seeing people learn new things. Mm. Um, But then I, I don't know if you could do this format in
1: that way, right? That would be more either like typical found footage or normal traditional film, right?
0: You still could. And I mean, plenty of documentaries are done that way. It's like- In real time? Had he just started the documentary while the investigation was still ongoing, you could get clips of somebody being like, hey- we just found this map. We think it's a lead. We're going to go find it, you know? And then, the, yeah, yeah. It, that's something that was filmed two years ago. It's still part of the documentary. And y- you present the his- whole history of the thing. Yeah. But this was like the entire thing was filmed after everything had already taken place, aside from the found footage portion. So everyone who was interviewed knew exactly how yeah, things it ended happened. up, you know? Yeah, there was never I, any footage of a talking head being like, I'm excited about this update. Yeah, I, I think we might find him now.
1: Well, I think that's the element of the, the found footage in this film are his movies. It's not like the the stuff going on to the other characters. Like that's more like the newsreel, the documentary part. Um, if 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 it was what you described, then that would have been like more found footage throughout because uh, it would have been someone recording these people.
0: Right. No, I mean, it is. I mean, that's. We get in this weird thing (laughs) where it's like, what is found footage? Yeah, The recording of the talking heads, that doesn't seem like found footage to me. That's just part of the documentary. Exactly. So the only difference I'm saying is instead of interviewing officer so-and-so five years after all this happens, you start filming the documentary while the investigation is in progress. You get an interview with him the day after. He learned this big discovery, right? Mm. So you get to see him having hopes and dreams <laughs> about where things might go or like him being curious as well about what's happening. Like yeah, our journey doesn't get, as the viewer, doesn't get like reflected through somebody else. It doesn't, yeah. It, and this is also, I wanted to research this more too. Like there's almost this subgenre of films touch on like snuff films right they aren't mm-hmm. snuff films themselves but that's part of the like 8 millimeter or Sinister and in Sinister and 8 millimeter, we have someone who's viewing the tapes and being disgusted horrified or concerned or curious about them and we can live vicariously through them and they also like keep us a little bit arm's length away from the snuff films to make it less disturbing Oh, so yeah. Sure. That's kind of where I'm going with like, hey, the guy sitting there watching all these tapes could have been a character, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, instead so, of just giving us the line, my wife wouldn't let me touch us for a year, give us some interviews where he's like, things are going not great, to be honest. You know, like, yeah. let him become a character. Let, sh- show us how things are going with him instead of just telling us Yeah. there was a year. Again, all in the past, there was a year where she wouldn't let me touch her. Then it was over. Like... <laughs> Had we had more interviews with him as it was happening, we could see his arc. Sure. Do you think, though, if it
1: spent time doing that or like building out some of these other characters, it would have diluted the hardcore brutality and like the personality or the, the persona that's being built up around like this main killer who's going around and like taking time away from like
0: us really following and being vested in his progression? I think it would have highlighted it because you could have seen how this affected everybody's life that it touched, even just the people investigating it, right? Or the relatives yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it would have made it even more disturbing. Mm, I think yeah, it would have yeah. made it, this was disturbing. I don't think there's too much more that needed to be done to make it more disturbing, <laughs> but I think it could have been emotionally impactful as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh,
1: the emotional part was missing. I I don't know. I felt some of it. Did did you feel an attachment to any of the victims like Cheryl at the end I felt an attachment to or the girl in the backseat of the car and like watching her expression change as she's realizing what's going on. Um yeah, did you did you feel anything throughout for the victims?
0: Not really, just cuz I didn't really feel like I got to know them before they just became you know, whimpering puddles of victimhood.
1: Yeah. That sounds sure. like
0: degrading to them. Like you, <laughs> you're so pathetic when you get hogtied hog tied in a dungeon, you're so sad. Yeah. I know. You was <laughs> have some personality, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> have some grit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, that's the movie seems more concerned with showing them that way than like letting yeah. us know who they are.
1: Yeah. Who was the girl who was bouncing on the ball? Yeah. I think she was
0: just somebody else. Oh, okay. No one, no one. You need for Nero, dude. The VHS and how they treated the quality and degradation mm. of VHS was so bad. Yeah, like, that got kind of annoying. It really annoying. Like if you're a younger listener and you haven't watched much VHS, like they degrade, but not like they, <laughs> like not like in this movie. The color doesn't yeah. change every like five seconds. The, yeah. It gets warbly, but not like that. It's just like so artificial. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. also like a wide lens used in one of the VHS tapes. It's just like, okay, this is <laughs> That's clearly how, not yeah. a VHS tape.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone needs to be schooled in VHS roles. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That part was kind of annoying. I think they went overboard. But uh, I like that they had captured some of the graininess, but. Yeah. You're right. Like when the
0: tracking would go off or the colors would change, that didn't really make much sense. Right. Yeah. I do think like recovered VHS tapes specifically are a great avenue for presenting freaky footage. Yeah. Uh, They overdid it it here. Yep. Yep. Did you feel like there were a lot of fake accents among the, uh, people being interviewed? (laughs) Uh, not that I heard. I mean, the only accent that stuck out to me was the
1: woman in the back seat. who had like an English accent, uh, who else had, uh, oh no. Yeah. Who else had accents?
0: Oh man. Like, I want to say maybe like the dismemberment expert and like the coroner, and oh. like five of the people being interviewed. I was <laughs> just like, wow, Poughkeepsie is a melt, the melting pot of America. <laughs> it was.
1: Yeah, you're right. There was a surprising amount of diversity in the scientific community. <laughs> <laughs> it is New York, you know, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Where That's is Poughkeepsie? Is it is it close to New York City
0: or? I I don't um, know. I really should have looked it up on a map. I yeah, got the I'm impression curious. that no, but. Mm, sounds like a nice place. Oh, aside from all the murdering yeah
1: aside from all the money so th- yeah uh the other thing like when this ends and uh the there's like text that like uh we want to thank the families of xyz i saw that and i freaked out man i'm like holy shit this was real uh did you feel that at all or like have you
0: seen that like i thought that was a crazy touch uh i think i've seen stuff like that before they also in the credits made it look like over on the left was one set of Actors and over on the right was another set of actors, but really, Mm -hmm. the people on the right were the people who played the characters showing up on the left. Oh, that's probably uh, confusing. But it said like Cheryl Dempsey way on one side of the screen, and and then way on the other, it said Stacy Shabowski.
1: Oh, sure, sure. So it seems like
0: they're separate people, but really, Stacy is who played Cheryl.
1: Yeah, yeah. Damn. Which was kind of clever, but right. Did a part of you think this might have been real when you saw any of this?
0: No. Okay. But you watched it alone in an Airbnb, so different circumstances. I guess, man. It freaked me out for sure. (laughs) Uh, what, What are some things that you really liked about the movie that you feel like I'm not talking about enough?
1: Um, You know, I I think the the visuals here stand out to me a lot. Like the mask, uh, there was a scene where for some reason he crawls into the torture chamber and he's got like two masks going on. Uh, The way he's like yelling at the women and the graphic uh, audio descriptions of like what he's doing or done to them. And like one thing we haven't really talked about too much is like uh, the rape aspect of this, which like you're right, like the film, like they don't really show a lot of that, but it's talked about. Um, and a lot of times like, we, you know, we can't even talk about it. It's so gross. So, uh, bet- yeah, between the visuals and like what's being described, there's like just some really gross imagery that that's coming up and, and creepy stuff with, with the mask and things like that. That, that, that. That's what I thought was the
0: biggest trend here. You're a changed man. I feel like <laughs> years ago you would have just been like, why the fuck did you make me watch this? Brian?" But <laughs> yeah. You, your taste has gotten way more grim. Uh, and you know,
1: I, I, yeah, I, I, just feel like I can, I, I can appreciate it. Cause like, how often do we watch this kind of, uh, grim shit? Like, I mean, I, I don't know what, what was the last thing that, I mean, I know we saw a smile and that, like kind of scared us both, but like, do you feel like this is on par, like disturbing level with like something else we've seen recently?
0: It's been a while since we saw something truly disturbing and like unsettling makes you want to take a shower afterwards type stuff. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think this is one of those rare films that uh, hits that part again. And, you know, you, you got to respect it. I mean, it's not not like my uh, preferred type of horror film, but I, I think it does what it does pretty effectively. Um, what, what, what what about you? Like, did, did you feel like that part worked for you or was like the acting too bad or other, other things, the storyline not good enough for you? I
0: think that, I mean, I'll give it props where props are due. It is genuinely disturbing it made me feel something. I guess I'm wondering how much skill it takes to make somebody feel something like that. Like, mm-hmm. if I got, oh God, if I like paid some woman from Craigslist who wanted an acting gig, like, okay, the gig is I'm going to tie you up in my dungeon basement and scream at you for five minutes. Uh huh. That's going to be disturbing no matter how well I do that (laughs) like sure regardless of my performance her performance at the production design to watch five minutes of me screaming at a woman tied up in a basement is going to be disturbing yeah so I I guess part of me maybe that doesn't matter you know I maybe I'm overanalyzing but part of me is just like that doesn't take anything to do that it's just disturbing on its face Uh, other movies featuring things like this torture porn or whatever that we've watched have themes that they're wrestling with like martyrs or like a provocative narrative like saw or they're even self-aware like hostile but this one just had nothing to it like Mm -hmm. there's no real meat on the bones the entire thing is predicated on you watching these tapes that are very disturbing like yeah it seems like just a vehicle for torture porn it's a package to deliver little slices of torture porn to people without much purpose. Yeah, it is. It's,
1: it's totally torture porn, but I I don't know. I I think there is a art creativity to it because it isn't just like some dude yelling in a basement. Like there's the mask. There's like the theatrics of it. There is like the pacing of the film there. Uh, Uh, Yeah, you're getting it spliced with these people kind of like talking about like how whatever's happening, like how fucked up it is or how different it is than other serial killers. You're getting like an interview with Ted Bundy randomly thrown in there. Uh, (laughs) That was dumb. (laughs) That was kind of pretty dumb, yeah. (laughs) I get a lot of dumb things, but I I do think there's some creative uh, aspects that they brought in that maybe another film that was just going straight torture porn might not have been like thoughtful enough to... Bring into it, like yeah, I, I don't know, like the the mask and stuff. Did that added a
0: layer for you at all? It does add a layer, but again, like not enough, not enough, not enough. And I mean, it's disturbing, but it isn't entertaining, scary, or disturbing enough to really be like thought provoking. Yeah, or, or even a spectacle. I mean, it is a spectacle, but it's just not disturbing. It's disturbing enough to make me feel gross for watching it, mm-hmm. not disturbing enough to like for me to like take anything away from it about like humanity or the nature of voyeurism or.
1: Yeah, I actually I, I disagree. Cause I, I think there are two really interesting uh, comments on humanity. Uh, one is this, the main killer, like, why is he doing this? What happens to him? We we have no idea, like, why he's even going about this. And watching him progress from, like, these, uh, less brutal killings to, like, you know, way worse shit later on. And then, uh, at the end, obviously, he did have some kind of attachment to Cheryl, uh, to, like, leave her alive and then come back for her body. So, there's, like, something about, uh, what's going through this mind of the serial killer. It's, like, do something and, like, what kind of emotional attachment he has to his victim here. And then you got Cheryl on the other end, who's, who's, like, the other comment on humanity, where, like, this person's been captured and tortured for how long, and you've seen her, like, get broken down uh, at the end. Like, she's transformed, and then she's just, like, killing herself. So, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you are getting, like, two without, like, blatant uh, diving into, like, their characters or whatever and, and just told through other perspectives,
0: you're getting some signs of, like, uh, humanity through them, right? Yeah, we are, but I I think those are kind of shallow examinations of humanity. Like, we know Stockholm Syndrome is a thing. We know these serial killers do stuff like this. So I just don't think it's really presenting anything new or anything deep enough to really get my wheels spinning. But I think, one, I will disprove myself a little bit because we talked about true crime at the beginning of the podcast. So... Maybe one commentary on humanity is this is a really disturbing film. Had this been real, there would be so much media on this guy. There would be a thousand podcasts about him. There'd be mini series about him. And people would eat it up, like mainstream, everyday people would eat it up. And it's disturbing that people are so fascinated in that when to really see or know anything that happened would be would fuck them up for they they, you and i wouldn't let our wives touch us for a year if we saw this free
1: (laughs) yeah for sure
0: (laughs) like if this was real right yeah right yeah i think that goes to show some other stuff we've talked about in defending horror movie fandom on the past in the show like i do feel like Fiction can make you understand real life events more deeply. Like you can become callous to the news. Like, oh, great, a hundred people died. But if you've seen like a graphic depiction of a hundred people dying in a horror movie, you can be like, holy shit! Like a hundred right. people died. It makes you feel things on a deeper level. Right. And yeah. So, so I, to, to I guess like, that is some value in the movie. It's just like, yeah, oh, you're in point- a True Crime.
1: Take this. Points of the horrors that like go on, and I, yeah, I guess I haven't like watched any of those true crime shows, but do you feel like they go this far? Uh, I pro- probably not.
0: I mean, I, I think know. they describe what happens in detail, and, and okay, but they don't have the footage, and, and they would never show a dramatization. I don't think, I mean, I think that Dahmer show is pretty fucked up. I haven't seen it, but and I have no desire yeah. to watch it, but
1: right, right. But yeah, no, I mean, this, this, uh, for me is like, yeah, kind of an eye opener. Uh, it really brings like a real touch to like, yeah, those, those true crime shows and like that whole genre of stuff.
0: All right, man. So zero to five years until I let you touch me again. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't imagine five years of not being a touch.
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, I, 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 uh, I enjoy this, man. It's really creepy. I'm coming in at three and a half out of five, uh, three and a half years of you not letting me touch me because it was really disturbing, creepy, and visually effective. Um, and I thought the production quality outside of the acting was uh, fun and, and enjoyable. How about you?
0: I gave this 1.5 years Holy without shit. you touching me. I hated this thing. Yeah. I I, I feel like I didn't, I spoke negatively the whole time, but I didn't let my disdain show and I really hated it. Damn.
1: Uh, yeah. Any, any reason outside of the ones you've already mentioned?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just think it's so useless and gross and I just can't help but think the people who made this decided to spend X amount of time living and breathing this like that's messed up to me and I I don't know I it's weird because we've seen other movies that do similar things and I'm fine with it but then to like have these people act in these scenes and like go through this whole story and tie somebody up in a basement like she's really tied up I mean that's your wife I guess if you're John Eric Dotto and like scream at her. It's just like, I don't like that this happened. I I don't. And there's so little value to the story that.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: you don't. So, so I hear like, you're not a fan of torture porn perhaps. Is that fair? I mean, I'm not, but I've liked some of the ones we've seen. I, I just feel like some of the ones we've seen that, is how they're characterized but when you watch the movie you're like there's so much more to this movie than that
1: mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. there
0: is much more to this movie than that Yeah okay take okay. away that and there's nothing also these tapes do nothing to further the plot there's nothing in a tape that really changes the trajectory of the movie sure. it's just like yeah. here's the investigation y'all you want to see some of this weird shit here you go <laughs> like Right, it's almost irrespective of the ongoing or of the investigation into this guy
1: yeah I, I don't know man. I I just think that's like the format because like uh, these films are all like looking at the past and it's never like really telling uh, or like giving you a plot of like um, uh, uh, like a sequence of events it's more just like a retrospective so I guess yeah my, my I wasn't looking for like a uh, like a involved story or plot line or a lot of like suspense.
0: Uh, going into this. This kind of goes back to our Amityville discussion where you're just like, well, I just want to see what happened. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. weave it into a story. <laughs> yeah.
1: But sometimes like it. Yeah. Just like the Amityville one, like the lack of story here gives it a realness, which makes it really
0: scary and boring and disturbing at
1: the
0: same <laughs> <time>. <laughs> All right, man. Wow. We've just disagreed lately and I've hated the movies we've watched lately. <laughs>
1: I know. I know. And I, I love watching you hate these movies. Uh, Over
0: so- someone's having fun with your cornflakes this month. <laughs> uh, right. I will say yeah. <laughs> I did like the score. I thought the score was pretty good. Yeah, I, I th- thought it was really good. I think that like cinematography wise, every aside from the fake t- VHS right. degradation, it was decent. Um,
1: yeah. Editing and did, they and everything. Keep, did they keep showing the Golden Gate Bridge or is there like some other bridge in New York that looks like that? Uh, I don't remember that. Ah, uh, I remember they kept like... Every now and then they do this bridge with like fog on it, and I thought it was oh, the Golden okay. Gate. Oh, okay.
0: Well, you know the Golden Gate Bridge is not in New York. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah.
0: know. Okay. Maybe it was the Poughkeepsie Gate Bridge.
1: Yeah, yeah. It must have something there.
0: All right, man. You got anything else? Uh, no. That's all I got. All right. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. That is our discussion on the Poughkeepsie Tapes from 2007. If you want to get in touch with us about it, go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the social links drop down. You'll find links to Facebook and Twitter, and that's where we're going to tell you what we're covering next week. You'll find the link to Discord where you can chat with other listeners and horror movie fans and me, rarely Ashvin, Sometimes. Uh, you can email us, podcast at horrormovieclub.com. If you want some merchandise, Google Horror Movie Club posters posters no horror movie club coaster set and that'll take you to a little coaster set done by our friend amy who did our logo and that'll take you to her etsy page amy may pop art and she's got great horror art on there so you can buy some if you want more content go to patreon.com slash horror movie club we've got bonus content out there that you can listen to for a dollar a month that link is also on our website HorrorMovieClub.com. And until next time, if you're a serial killer, just start doing some things differently every once in a while, and the cops will be absolutely flummoxed and impressed for years. (laughs) And they'll oddly come to have a certain respect for you.
1: Yeah, give them some (laughs) boners.
0: That that guy was so weird. That guy was so in awe. He, He like... You know he wanted to be a serial killer and he was I know that training <laughs> in too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I thought a twist might be that he was gonna be the killer or something, but I guess it wasn't that type of movie. <laughs> like a movie where things went on. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> okay, where things happened.